just keep softening, keep letting those walls soften over time and allow yourself to receive love because the truth is, is that in the end, it's all we take with us. We don't take anything else with us. Born in 92 on the block with the sharks, cut from a different cloth, y'all would get ripped apart. You want a diamond, then you gotta get it in the dark. We dropping nuggets like Carmelo went to Rucker Park. Now we eating from state to state, we scrape the plate. I put my eggs in a basket, took a leap of faith. I took a chance, now we grow and see the impact. Decoding success with special guests, now let's bring Matt. Hey everyone, Matt Labrie here, your host of the top 1% globally ranked podcast, Decoding Success. Excited to have you joining us here today. If you are a new listener, we want to welcome you into our community with open arms. You are in store for a really pleasant and heart-opening conversation with an incredible individual who's going to be introduced shortly. And for those returning, for our faithful community listeners who show up for themselves week after week, episode after episode, we welcome you back. Excited to have you rocking with us here today because in this episode, I mean, where do I even begin? I'm getting the chills up and down my arms even before I let you know what we're diving into in such a serene and deep conversation. But let me rattle off a few of the highlights that are coming up for me thinking back on our conversation. Number one is how and why opportunities seem to present themselves to us in life just before we actually feel ready for them. Number two, how to create a sense of calm in our life, no matter where we are physically in the world, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, or anywhere in between. Why there's a good probability, this is number three, why there's a good probability of our nervous system being dysregulated and how to get ourselves back on track in that regard. Number four, how to accept the fact that the people we love are going to grow and not stay the same. So I'm talking about our spouses, our partners, our babies that we're birthing into the world. They're not going to stay the same, meaning this moment with them might be the last you have with them as is. And lastly, but not really lastly, how life prepares us. It doesn't want to hurt us, although growth and the traumatic experiences that we experience in life hurt us to an extent. They're painful. Life doesn't exist to hurt, only to love us and help us grow for what's to come. All of this is broken down and more in this episode. But to guide us through this conversation, we welcome one of the most calming spirits I've ever encountered. Seriously, I actually say that in this episode. I had to pause everything we were doing to say, hey, Shay, you are extremely calming. Like, has anyone ever said that to you? That's a part of this conversation. We are joined by our friend Shaylina Ayana, spiritual counselor and founder of Rising Woman. Shay is a best-selling author, and she's the founder of a growing community of more than 3 million readers. Her training in immersion and couples facilitation, inherited family trauma, conscious relationship, and somatic healing inform her holistic approach to seeing relationship as a spiritual path. Now, more than 30,000 women in 146 countries have taken her flagship program, Becoming the One. Her best-selling book, Becoming the One, is available in over 15 languages and 16 countries, and her forthcoming journal is linked in the show notes, which goes hand-in-hand with that book. So it's time for us to dive into this mountain-moving conversation. So buckle up, get the notepads out, open your heart and mind to the fact that you are tapped into this episode for a reason. You could be listening to any other podcast in the world. There are over 7 million of them. You could be watching a Netflix video. You could be FaceTiming a friend. You could be playing Tetris or chess on your phone like I do all the time. But no, you are here listening to this particular episode and it's for a reason. So open your mind and heart to that fact. And now without further ado, we bring to you our friend, Shailene Ayana. 
Shay, welcome to Decoding Success. Excited for this conversation. Thank you for your flexibility and all of the stuff you have going on in your world. I really appreciate it. So thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm curious. How are you? Like, what's going on in your life? I know I know of some things, but like, what's going on? Yeah, life is wild. It's an adventure right now. I have an eight-month-old daughter and uh, sleep is a distant <laughs> memory and we're having a lot of fun while being very, very tired. Mm. Eight months old, like what has this process taught you? I'm not a parent. I do one day hope to be a parent. What has it taught you? Wow, the presencing of time, just really being in the moment Mm. has so much more power now. Like really the gift of being in the moment. There's something about watching a little human grow, changing every single day where you know you're never gonna get this moment back and you're never going to see this version of that person again. And of course it's like that with every single person that we meet is like that with my husband, but it's not as in my face. And so it's really dropped me in to want to learn how to be present and just really here for all of the things that she experiences. You know, just from you saying that I'm literally, I'm almost crying. So I'm trying to like, I am, I swear I'm like such an emotional guy. But for me, I feel like I'm not a parent, but like, I feel like it's hard to even accept the fact that like what you have brought into the world obviously has to grow. Like that's life. I get it. But like, how do you really accept that? I don't know yet because (laughs) she's so young. I think about it a lot because I'm like, wow, this is the most love I've ever felt. This is the most devotion I've ever felt. I want to be with her forever and always. But I know that I'm going to have to let her go. And I know that her job is to literally spread her wings and fly away from me. And my job is just to hold that love and that safe home for her always. And from every mother I've ever spoken to, no matter if their children are, you know, seven or 70, not that I've met a 140 year old, but (laughs) it seems like every mom just still feels that love and that attachment and still worries for her child. So I've definitely had moments where I'm like, oh God, what have I done to myself? Because this is just so overwhelming. There's so much feeling here, but it really is. It's a gift. If you feel that call, then I'm excited for you when it happens one day because it's definitely life-changing and heart-opening in ways you couldn't imagine. And all of the things that you worry about, like the no sleep and the time and all of it, it, it sort of doesn't matter the way that it matters to us now, like before we have the child. You just beat me to my next question. I didn't want it to be like too personal and I was debating on asking it, but I'm going to now. And if you're like, mad, I don't want to answer that. That's fine. But like, how did you know you were meant to be a parent? Like, what was that call like? I don't think I did know that I was meant to be a parent. Like, I really wanted to have children while I was younger. And then when I met my husband, I really wanted children. And then we went through a few year phase where I didn't. I was sort of in a cynical place in my life about the world and about just everything going on. And I got trapped in that idea that, you know, this isn't a good place to bring a child into the world. And I like my freedom. I want to travel. I just want to keep doing all of these things for the rest of my life. And, you know, we hit this point a few years ago where we were in Hawaii for the winter and we were sitting at a table for dinner in our little Airbnb and it was so quiet. And we both looked at each other and we were like, I'm kind of bored. Like, I love you (laughs) and I'm so happy to be with you. We were having an amazing time, but we're like, we want stimulation. We want noise from other little beings. You know, we had left our dog behind too. It's hard to get your dog into Hawaii. And so that amplified it for us. And we were like, okay, I think we're ready to have a family. Like, we want busyness around us, you know? And we just got to a point in our lives, both of us, where we were stable, where we had worked on our relationship a lot and we didn't have 
have much coming up anymore. We didn't have conflicts that we had to heal and work through and our life was stable. Like we were just ready. And so we just made the leap, even not having that hundred percent readiness. Cause I don't know if many of us get there. I think some people do. They're like, I'm hundred percent ready. I'm here to be a mom or I'm here to be a dad. But for us, it was a, he was more ready than me in some cases. And then we just took the leap of faith and here we are. Here we are. I saw a meme the other day on Instagram and I'm really curious and don't quote me verbatim on this. I wish I had like a photographic memory like that, but I don't. I'm really curious to hear what you think about this. It said something along the lines of when an opportunity presents itself to us, we might not be 100% ready, but oftentimes that opportunity will present itself to us just before we're ready. What do you think about that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything that happens in our lives, I feel is preparing us for something and it's there to teach us. I mean, of course, there are circumstances that are totally out of our control. Almost all circumstances are totally out of our control. I'm not really referencing tragedies and things like that. But in general, when we have these hard moments or these things that come across our path, I believe that we're being prepared and that we're being given a lesson, you know, and sometimes we won't be ready until we're there, Mm. you know, because we have all sorts of limitations and we have all sorts of blocks and fears that prevent us from stepping into things. And often when you talk to people, the way that they make things out in their minds are so much bigger and scarier than once they're there. It's sort of like, you know, when you're about to do a task, you have a task on your task list, but you don't do it. You keep procrastinating, you keep procrastinating because in your mind, it seems like this really big daunting task. And you're like, oh, I hate paperwork. I don't want to fill that form out. I don't want to do the thing. And then you can't sleep at night and you're stressed about it for like a month or something. And then one day you finally get the energy, you do it. And it took you five minutes. It was done. You Mm. feel great. You're like, wow, why didn't I do that sooner? I feel like that is a metaphor for a lot of things in life. And so sometimes we just have to act. Yeah, no, I agree. Has anyone told you, by the way, you are very calm. I'm very calm. No, you <laughs> are. Like you, you have a very calming energy. Like I felt like before we started recording this, I mean, I just got home from a workout. I like my energy was pumping and now I'm, I just feel very like serene with you. Really nice. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for that reflection. Yeah. That's sweet. What leads you to be so calm? Wow. That's a big question. You know, I live in nature and mm-hmm. I think that helps because even if internally I'm not feeling calm, I have a place that I can ground. We live in the forest. We live on a little island and I get to spend a lot of my time listening to the birds and listening to the frogs and watching animals and creatures. And I do my best to presence to my nervous system and to my body because I did a lot of somatic work on myself before I trained in it. And I learned a lot about nervous system regulation and how much that impacts all of our lives and our relationship patterns, how much it impacts how we relate to the world around us. And then also as a mom, how it impacts my child. Like her nervous system is learning from my nervous system. So every single day I'm actively taking note of where I'm at on nervous system level and doing my best to get into a regulated, secure state. And if I'm not, then we work on that in the moment. I love that. So what's your advice to someone that might not live on an island and gets to hear the birds and the frogs and whatnot? I'm in beautiful New York City. How do we, yeah, like how do we create the calm no matter where we are? It's such a good question. I've never been to New York, so maybe one day I'll come visit you. But, you know, we lived in a a city for a long time. 
We lived in a city for many, many years. And to be honest, I struggled there a lot. I got quite sick in terms of my health. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of chronic pain issues and just fatigue that didn't seem to go away. I'm just, I guess, not able to thrive fully in a city. But there was a lot of things that I did that helped me stay sane and that helped me stay grounded. And I think some people just really actually love being in a city too, and they have the capacity to thrive in it. And nature is always important. So whether that's going to a park or that is, you know, going outside, putting your feet on the earth, even if it's just a small little patch of grass for five minutes. I also love listening to nature sounds. I find that very soothing somatically. And then, you know, of course, nature's just one avenue too. Nature's one access point, but you have the capacity to calm and regulate your nervous system in your own body no matter what. And so being aware of what you're feeling in those moments, doing a body scan, like if you notice yourself all of a sudden feeling stressed, you can stop, you can take a pause, you can just do a quick scan. Okay, well, where do I feel the stress in my body? Where is it located? Then just tune into that for a moment. Does it have a color? Does it have a shape? Does it have a sensation? Can you be with it for a moment? And then go to a place in your body that feels really warm, really relaxed, really calm. And can you move that feeling through the rest of your body? So essentially, you're welcoming in that safety and security within yourself. That's a really simple tool for grounding and connecting. I love that. And then, of course, getting off of the phones, getting off the technology. (laughs) Yeah, that helps. That is definitely a big help. You know, it's crazy because I never knew how much I appreciated nature. I'll give you an example. Like growing up, my father's family was from like Williamsburg, Virginia. And I hated going there because it like pulled me away from my friends for like a week and a half. You know, it was such like it was like a suck out of like my summer. You only have like 90 days as a kid, like in between school. But um, I actually learned how much I love nature when I was in France in 2018. It was such a beautiful trip, but it like rattled me to my core because it was like stressful. We were getting no sleep. I mean, I was younger, so we were partying. We were going from city to city. But every single time I was in the sea floating in the water, I felt so calm. Like I couldn't even sleep. So I didn't realize this was happening, but in 2020, yeah, it had to have been during 2020, I started to do flotation therapy. Oh, flotation therapy changed my life. Like it's good. Yeah, I've had some of the most beautiful experiences just like in the tank. And I'm six foot five. So like for me to like I wasn't gonna get in like a little pod, like I'm a little uncomfortable with that. But there's like a whole suite at the place I go to and I had so many breakthroughs there. Have you ever tried flotation? I have actually. My friends in Vancouver where we used to live owned uh this company called the Float House for many years. And so back when it was first hot on the scene. I started floating. I used to float every week. I actually did psychedelics in the tank before. That was a little much. (laughs) But yeah, I've done a lot of floating and I really love it. And I totally agree. It can be transformational. And especially too, if you're a creative type, the stuff that would come through me when I was in a float tank was amazing. There's processes and meditations that I've created that came through me when I was in the tank like 10 years ago that I still lean back on. Yeah. When you were in the tank, I'm curious because I don't know many people that have done flotation therapy. Did you keep your eyes open or closed? Both. I think at first I would have my eyes open and then as I would drop in, I would just kind of close my eyes because it was pitch black in there, right? So 
yeah. not like you're looking at anything anyways. And what I would find is eventually I would drop into this very, very deep meditative trance-like state. And that's when it was almost as if, you know, while you're awake, you're dreaming. And so then all of this creative juice just starts flowing through the brain and through the body. And yeah. it was incredible. Absolutely. Now you're making me miss it. <laughs> you know, what's crazy. I asked that question for a specific reason. Number one is because I was actually scared to keep my eyes open. Oh, why? For a, I think I'm scared of the dark. I'm just keeping it real. Like I, I think I'm scared of the yeah. dark. So with that said, I got myself to a point where I would open my eyes and I had such beautiful mm-hmm. experiences when my eyes were open. Like you said, pitch black, total sensory deprivation. All you could really smell is like the salt in the water. But when my eyes were open, I would get like a kaleidoscope effect. Like, you know, if you like when you were a kid, you were like rub your eyes really hard and then you would kind of see like different colors and stuff. Maybe I'm just weird and you know, that happened yeah. to me. But um, I would get like a kaleidoscope effect in the tank where I would see all these different colors all these different shapes, like so much happening going in and out. It was like really profound. Have you ever had that there? I would say that I had my own version of it. I don't know if I would describe it as a kaleidoscope, but definitely, yeah, vision-like experiences. Yeah. But especially I think for me, it was more when I closed my eyes. I don't think it was when I had my eyes open. Interesting. Definitely. It was almost like that DMT activation Mm. in the brain where all of a sudden, you know, you're having these visions and it's quite beautiful and yeah, just really, really relaxing too. It's really cool that you were able to break through that fear too, because I would imagine if you're afraid of the dark, it could feel almost a little claustrophobic or something. So you're kind of in this... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know what it was. I mean, I also maybe it's not a fear, but maybe it's just like how I've programmed myself for the 30 years of my life. You know, like I, mm. I am one to like fall asleep to like a YouTube video, you know, so like I'm, mm. I am sleep with like the TV on. And it's funny because I've gone through spurts of like sleeping in complete darkness and I get the yeah. best sleep. But oftentimes I I don't let that last and I'll break it. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'll just go back to doing whatever. But I think that's growth in all areas, right? Like sometimes we see that growth and then all of a sudden it's a little uncomfortable and we go back to our old ways and then we go back and forth, back and forth, kind of on the seesaw. Have you experienced the seesaw? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think we all do. We all experience it in one way or the other. And you know, when you're talking about this, it kind of reminds me too of how our nervous systems and our bodies... Mm. We really hold all of the memory, especially from infancy and from early childhood and in our systems, right? So even if we've done a lot of mindset work and we've done a lot of healing, we can see what our nervous system is holding in terms of memory with our sleep. And so I actually struggled a lot with sleep too. Like I would never want to go to bed. I would never really want to wind down. I was always really activated. And so... What I realized was that when I was a kid, I didn't want to go to sleep and I didn't get enough connection or nurturance. And so I was often afraid to go to sleep. And so I did a lot of somatic work and helped my system recalibrate to sleep. And that kind of changed things for me. So it's always interesting to go these new layers deep in uh, in the body too and to help the whole system gear down. Yeah. Can we talk about the nervous system quick? You said something earlier that really piqued my interest. You know, you mentioned how your newborn and her nervous system is like essentially learning from yours. So how do we unlearn from a dysregulated nervous system? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have been studying this a lot because the first three years of infancy, 
which by the way, we're infants until we're three. So even as a toddler, you're actually a baby. Those are very, very sacred years. And really up until five, we are developing our nervous system. Our brain is rapidly making maps of how to respond to certain situations of what's safe, what's not safe. And it's pruning away connections that we don't need, that we don't use. And so it's just such a rapid time. And essentially, I think it's about 90% of the map has been laid down Mm. by the time we're around three. And then of course, our brain doesn't fully develop until 25. But our nervous system is developing in co-regulation or dysregulation with our primary caregiver, which is often our mother. Yeah. And so if a baby is upset, they they don't know how to self-soothe. What they need is they need skin to skin. They need to be held. They need to be soothed. They need to be rocked. They need to be nursed. They need to have their mother or their father co-regulating with them so that their nervous system can soothe them. And over many years, we learn how to regulate. Now, many of us did not get a regulated nervous system because many of our parents' generation were in a dysregulated, broken attachment state. So like most of us have, you know, a form of anxious attachment or avoidant attachment or disorganized attachment. Most of us these days, it doesn't seem are secure, right? Like, of course, there's secure people out there, but it's more common that we experience attachment issues in our relationships. And a lot of that is just due to the fact that our nervous systems don't understand the frequency of calm. They don't understand the frequency of stability and security. And so working toward that, it doesn't happen in the mind. We're not going to be able to talk ourselves into a new pattern. We're not going to be able to just think positively and change the map. We actually have to retrain the system through these slow titrated processes to regulate. Just like that simple one that we just went through, you know, the body scan. That's one example. And then the other is also really noticing when we are feeling dysregulated and actually being in the moment and letting our bodies process it rather than stuffing it or denying it. Because the more experiences that we have that we deny, if we don't let our body complete the process, it's going to stuff it and store it in the nervous system. It's going to cause more dysregulation. Mm. Why when you see animals, if they get stressed out, you know, they shake right away, they shake it off. We need to have our own version of shaking it off and moving through the experiences we have emotionally in order to be secure. Does it ever become as easy as a dog shaking it off? I wish. It can definitely become almost as easy, especially when we know what is going on in our bodies and when we have worked through enough that we can just be present instead of being triggered or activated by things that are bringing more up. So the first stage, though, is really bringing it up and allowing ourselves to process whatever energy has been stored and regaining access to our feeling state, regaining access to our true essence, the true emotional experience, and then allowing ourselves to emote and like have have those feelings instead of always trying to suppress, 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 or deny. Yeah. And once we get in contact with our truth, then it's easier because we're just in the moment. We're not living in the past. Yeah. You mentioned something that I saw the other day. You talked about, you know, a newborn being skin to skin with, you know, a parent. And funny enough, I saw a video from Dwayne The Rock Johnson talking about that in conversation. It was so random. Like I was scrolling yeah. on Twitter and he had said it to someone like talking about the importance of doing that. But why is that important? 
yeah, well, we are wired for connection. We are wired for touch. Mm. And this, I'm not a scientist, so I can't give you all of the broken down science, but I can tell you that when we are skin to skin with an infant, there is so much information and natural intelligence being passed between the father and the child and the mother and the child. When we're skin to skin, for example, if I were to kiss my baby's head, my body would be getting information about her immune system. When she nurses, if she's sick, my milk would literally change for her to make the antibodies that she needs. If she's cold or if she's hot, my milk will change in temperature rapidly to either cool her or warm her up. Our bodies are designed to communicate and skin to skin is how we do that. It regulates the nervous system. It regulates body temperature. It helps build the immune system. It's incredibly protective. And so one of the best things we can do for our infants when we have babies is to spend as much time skin to skin with them in the first six weeks and beyond, of course, as possible. And so that's why now as many people as possible are talking about how we can help people even in hospitals when there are emergencies, right? when babies and and mothers have to be separated, that they bring them in for skin to skin as much as they can, because it actually helps save their lives. Like if an infant is in an emergency at birth and they're separated from the mother, they have less of a chance of making it than they do if they're on their mother's chest. If you go on YouTube, you can see videos of babies that just come back alive on their mother's chest because they've got that regulation of that temperature. When I say come back alive, sometimes actually literally like they weren't going to make it. And then all of a sudden they turned a corner doing skin to skin. And also there's just this rapid healing that can take place. And it's really special what happens when we as humans feel safe and secure with our caregivers. Absolutely. It's everything. Yeah. Human connection. It's the foundation of all life. And it's the thing that we struggle with the most, I think. Yeah, definitely. I'm kind of like jumping all over the place here, but I want to go back to like the whole unlearning process. I'm curious if you ever felt any sort of, maybe for lack of a better word here, animosity toward guardians for the conditioning they've given you or like the programming Mm -hmm. or anything of that sort. Yeah. I don't know if you know much of my story, but I I grew up in out of foster homes yeah. and my mom was basically my child. So I didn't really get that experience of deep nurturance and deep mothering mm-hmm. that I yearned for when I was younger. And I went through a many year phase where I was very angry at my mother, really angry. And so, yeah, I did. Yeah. I had that big time. And over time, through healing, through ceremonies, that transformed and that healed. She's actually here. She's at my house right now. She's here for three weeks and it's totally relaxed and feels great. And we don't have any tension in the family and in the home at all, um, which is such huge progress because there was a time in my life where I wasn't able to be around her for more than 24 hours Mm -hmm. before losing it. And I wouldn't even really be able to hug her without feeling surges of anger in my body. And so it's been a long road to get to the point where we are now, where everything is very harmonious. And a part of that was individuation work, really separating, moving out of that child self into the adult self. Interesting. Yeah, I am familiar with your story. In fact, I, I wrote down, I never, this sounds really shitty when I say this, but like, I don't really prepare for interviews because like everyone I invite on the show is because I have a deep interest in them already. And like, I do know about them. And you said something on an interview once that I really wanted to dive into. So I did write this down. You had mentioned through all of the overwhelming life experiences that you still knew you were loved. Yeah, I did. What does that mean? Like, how how did you know you were loved? And like, how did you, or maybe you did like, like, how did you not fall victim? 
I always knew that I was loved, I think, because, you know, there's a special bond between a mother and a daughter, and there's a special bond between single parents. You know, we were kind of us against the world, even though there was a lot of separation and there was a lot of abandonment and there was a lot of her, you know, needing help. And so not being able to be with me, there's just this innate knowing. And, you know, we did have good years. We had years where I was with her and where we did share a lot of beautiful memories. It was just very broken. And so I'm fortunate to know, you know, that I was always loved. And I had angels along the way. I had social workers or even police who were assigned to my file who kind of kept tabs on me and treated me well. You know, they cared for me. I knew that they cared for me, even though I was really chaotic. (laughs) And I think that really helps is we need those people. We need those angels. We need those people in the world that stand for us, even when we're not standing for ourselves. And we need those people who can recognize where we are at in our development too. You know, because so much of our society treats young people like they're already adults, Mm. you know, when they're teenagers, but they're not. Your brain's not even fully developed. So I'm lucky that I had some of those people. You use the word and it was like the first thing I thought of. You use the word angels. And once you were saying, you know, like the people that were there essentially watching you, potentially guiding you, like I literally thought of like a guardian angel. So it's awesome that you had that. How do we identify those people in our life? You know, because we could, I don't want to use the word numb, but like we could just be going and not even be aware of like the guidance that we are receiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it takes surrender. It takes really trusting that life is unfolding. And there's also this element of knowing that it's okay to not know. Yeah. When we're caught up in trying to figure out what's going to happen next or how we can control the future, that's when we really lose presence and we lose sight of all that's around us. And if things aren't going our way, then we start to feel like a victim to that. We feel angry or resentful. And then we're not able to notice any of the good things. We're not able to notice the love coming toward us. And that's also a hallmark of anxious attachment, right? Ambivalent attachment too, is not being able to fully love reach us. And so again, it comes back to that presence of really being here now and accepting that you don't get to control the future. And even if you do everything right, you still might not get to where you planned. And that is the mystery of life. It is. You know, it's funny. I put out a post a few weeks back and it's in alignment with what you just said. Like we could have this grand plan in our mind. We could set the goals. We could do all of those things, but life is going to, and I think they do give us direction, but life is going to unveil its cards and your path, how it's meant to be. And one of the things that I had set out, I mean, we've been podcasting for five years now and I had always envisioned like through visualization exercises and through, you know, writing it down that we would be in a studio and we are, which is great, but it doesn't look like how I had envisioned, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that was like one of the most beautiful things that I was able to realize this year was like becoming aware of the things that you want to happen in life that are aligned with what you want, but don't look identical to them. Yeah. You know, another example, right? Like I just mentioned, like I would love to be a parent and I actually wrote this down and I didn't ask it, but I would love to be a parent, but I am a parent. I have a puppy, you know, like little things like that, right? Well, and that's training. Having a dog is definitely training for having a kid. (laughs) Well, funny enough, I literally wrote down what's the difference of, you know, just like a quick little side note, as you had mentioned, you have a pup. I was like, 
what's the difference between having a pet and a child? And I don't mean to compare them like that, but at the same time, I have a friend who has two children and he was yeah. like, dude, having a dog is harder or like having a puppy is harder. <laughs> so. It depends on what kind of puppy you have. I have a, I have a Shih Tzu Maltese okay. who looks like a little teddy bear. And so definitely different, but also very similar, you know, like they're interests are very similar. They love to snuggle and poop and eat <laughs> and play with crinkly toys. Like my daughter and my dog, they love to share toys. I have to try to keep them out of her mouth, but they love the same thing. So he has a little stuffed carrot. I just went to the jelly cat store the other day and got her a little stuffed carrot so I can try to keep his out of her mouth. Yeah, there's a lot of similarities, but it also like if you're in a partnership, it does actually teach you a lot. It t- showed me a lot about my own patterns in how I will be a parent and it helped Ben and I prepare for working together. Yeah. So I actually saw how anxious I can be and how like controlling I can be because I'm so worried about, you know, my dog Bodie getting hurt. And so then I can be a little overwhelming and he's like, wow, like it's okay, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we we got to see our dynamic and I got to see what I had to work on, which was definitely the anxiety piece. And then you get to see how you are as a team and do you flow naturally or do you have to set agreements with each other about who's doing what or does it just flow? And yeah, that was really cool for us too, to, to see. So we got him three years before we had our daughter and it was great. I'm curious what this means to you. You just mentioned how like you had to work on, you know, that anxious side. But earlier in this conversation, I told you how calm you are. Like you have a very calm essence to you. Obviously those two, like, yeah, can they coexist in ways? Absolutely. But like one thing that I personally struggle with, my girlfriend said to me the other day, she's like, you're so calm. And I said to myself, am I so calm? Like, I don't feel calm, you know? So like, do you ever feel conflicted when someone gives you a compliment like that? Conflicted? No. I think it's always interesting to hear how people perceive my energy. Mm. Obviously, you know, if we were in person, things might be even, even different. But what I've noticed for myself is, and this might be true for you too, is that you may be calm as a baseline, except for around certain situations. Mm. Right. Like, so for me, I don't really worry about much. I'm pretty even keel. I don't have a lot of emotional ups and downs, except for when it comes to worrying about my family. But where's my core wound? Right. My core wound is all around a loss. Yeah. Abandonment. And so even though I've worked through that, there's always going to be a small part of me that feels very attached to my family and doesn't want to lose them. And so when it comes to, you know, my dog or my husband or my daughter, like every time my husband goes free diving, gosh, <laughs> right. You know what free diving is? Yes, I'm familiar. Yeah. So he's diving under the water like 20 meters without any oxygen, you know, and he's spearfishing or whatever. (laughs) Terrifying, you know. And so, of course, I'm holding my breath till he gets home. I'm working on being relaxed around it, but it's hard. And, you know, when I watch my dog doing something that seems kind of risky or my daughter, you know, doing something, I feel a little anxious Mm -hmm. and I have to just breathe through it. I also think, you know, to an extent, that's kind of the mother's role. Like when we have a child, our amygdala, that part of our brain, that's the worry and fear center, it grows. Yeah. Yay. (laughs) So it's like nature wants us to worry a little bit because we want to keep the species alive. It's just that we have to kind of keep it in check, you know, and we also have to be mindful too. Like, are we calm or are we in like a frozen shutdown state? Like if you don't actually feel calm, maybe there's just more expression that you need to let out. Maybe you want to for all that you're feeling inside. Well, I feel like like having a little worry is not the worst thing in the world, right? I think I even said this to myself yesterday. Like I have been in a place where I've been feeling scared because I'm in I'm just growing a lot and it's stretching me and that's scary. But I was like, Matt, like being scared isn't bad. Like what is good and bad? It's merely, you know, the words that we put to things, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And I admire that you're willing to honor that too and be in that feeling of feeling scared and likely it's the unknown. Mm, yeah. Like when you actually tune into that feeling of I'm scared, what is that actually representing for you? Yeah. For me personally, right now, I'm scared to be hurt again in relationship. I just said that yesterday yeah. to my girlfriend. I was like, you know, things are like expedited. I'm 30. Yeah. So like, I've never moved at this pace in a relationship. And I was doing a breath work exercise. I always do before bed. Uh, it just puts me to sleep like a freaking baby, like just totally knocks me out. And it was like, I don't know. I obviously, you know, I had my eyes closed. I was just in bed doing it. And I literally said to myself, Matt, I feel scared. And this is all self-dialogue. And tears came to my eyes because I asked myself why I was scared. And then the next thing that came out was because I'm scared to be hurt, which is valid, right? Who isn't scared to be hurt, you know? So yeah, a little bit of fear, a little bit of worry, I don't think are the worst things in the world. Yeah. And it's also a sign that you're growing and that you're allowing yourself to experience life, Yeah, right? Because that's always the option is you could be scared and you could turn the other way and you could isolate yourself and you could say no to the relationship and you could just close down your heart and just, you know, go and have sex with whoever you want and never let anybody in. And that might be fun for a while, but it's not fulfilling. Or you can do what you're doing, which is the hard thing, but the most beautiful thing. It's got the biggest reward, which is to soften and open your heart and remember that no matter what happens, you're going to learn something about yourself. And I believe that every step that we take toward being open and loving in relationship, even if that relationship doesn't work out, how we open it and how we close it sends a signal to spirit or the universe or to God or whatever you want to call it, that we are ready, Mm. right? And so no matter what, you are preparing yourself for exactly what it is that you want, which it sounds like what you want is eventually you'd like to be oh probably married yeah. and have a family definitely right? yeah yeah definitely i love this i've really appreciated this conversation i'm going to squeeze a few more questions out of you here the first one being what's a question you wish more people would ask you i've asked you a ton <laughs> oh my gosh i don't know what's a question that i wish more people would ask me well i'll tell you a question that i get asked all the time that you haven't asked me which is very cool which is what is your story and i'm and sometimes i'm like well i feel like you could reference like the other hundred podcasts that i Yeah, I've heard it a bunch, which is why I wanted you on here. Yeah, well, which is awesome, right? And it's cool to come on and and just chat about other things. And I think the thing that I love the most and that I've enjoyed about this conversation too, is that it feels like a real conversation where we can just get to know each other and flow. Because when we are sitting having coffee with somebody or we're having laughs, that's when we learn the most. Mm -hmm. And so it's really nice to just be able to share and flow together. And yeah, yeah, so let me ask you this. And this is a question about your story. If it was to be summed up, in you know a sentence or two with the lessons that you've learned thus far what would those sentences be the first thing that comes to my mind is it's not about you okay it's not about you in the sense that everything that i experienced was preparation for being of service in the world mm. and so all of the pain all of the heartbreak all of the loss even all of the tragedy i don't feel that it was about me i feel that it was about learning to experience all that life can bring so that I could better serve in the world and in what I'm here to do. And that was a big one for me is realizing that I was being prepared for something. And so really embracing it and learning how to be in those experiences without feeling like life was out to get me. Mm. I would say that's probably the biggest lesson. How do we shift out of feeling like the world revolves around us? (laughs) Have a child. Get a dog, have a kid, get a gerbil. I don't know. (laughs) I think part of it just takes takes growing up, 
we have to actually grow up, not just get older, but we have to mature and we have to work on that individuation in our minds and in our bodies and in our hearts. And being of service is a great way to do that. You know, if you haven't done volunteer work, you know, I up until my third trimester, I was volunteering at the food bank and it didn't matter what I was doing that day. Like on the day of my book launch, I went to my shift at the food bank, (laughs) you know, and I was like, this is my training in humility. Mm. I am launching a book today and I am still going to my shift because I'm always going to remember a, where I came from, which is from no money, actually starving or eating from the food bank. And I'm going to remember who I'm really here for, which is to serve my community. Mm. You know, that's what matters. And that can really get us out of the entitlement and it can really get us out of those self-centered patterns. Because once we start to see the world around us and how many people are struggling so much more than, than we are, it can be a real motivator and it just drops us into gratitude too. Absolutely. I love that. So one thing that I've been doing, and I stole this from someone, so I always like to give him credit. I stole this from Stephen Bartlett. I had asked the past guest, our last guest, a question to ask our next guest without knowing... Mm-hmm who is who. So the question that was asked is, when you look in the mirror and nobody is around and the truth shows up, are you genuinely happy and are you excited about what you are doing in the world? Mm, Wow, I love that. Yes. Yes, I am. And it's such a gift to be able to say that Mm. because I definitely couldn't always say that. But especially now becoming a mom, I feel even more in love with what I do and even more focused on serving people. Because when I look at her, I see all of us now, you know, and it just changes the way that I relate to the people that I work with. And uh, it's every day I'm like, wow, this is such a gift. I'm so lucky because there are so many people who have, have experienced the kind of traumas that I've experienced and they're still stuck and they're still struggling. And I feel so grateful that somehow I was able to find my way to happy, healthy home and to creating a paradise. Yeah, It's a, it's a real blessing. So what yeah. advice would you tell the Shay that can't say yes to that answer? That can't say yes to that answer. Mm. Just keep softening, keep mm. letting letting those walls soften over time and allow yourself to receive love because the truth is, is that in the end, it's all we take with us. Yeah, We don't take anything else with us. I love that. Now, the second part of this is you asking a question to our next guest. Mm, love it. I think that the, the question that I would like to ask would be, if your heart had words for you today, what would it say? Wow. And if your inner child had a question for you today, had a need, what would it be? That's so deep. Okay. So what's the first answer? Like, what would your heart say to you? Mm, You're doing a great job. I love that. Mm. I love that. That is powerful. Mm. That is a very deep question. I don't know who the next guest is, but (laughs) this is going to be so interesting. Oh, man, I love this. All right. So I want to let everyone know that's tuned in that Shay's socials, websites, books, all of those good things are in the show notes. Do you have anything specific that we should let people know about? Actually, yes. I am launching a journal. It's publishing in September. And it's an accompanying journal to my book, Becoming the One. And so it's a fully, it's beautiful. We have all these illustrations, guided meditations, somatic practices, even some herbal recipes and baths and journal prompts to guide you through the inner work. And it's a companion to my book, but you can also get it on its own. So that's the thing I'm really excited about coming up. Awesome. I'm sure we could find like a link or something to throw in the show notes. Cool. Absolutely. Awesome. 
awesome. And then I'm going to ask you one last question before I let you go. If you live to whatever year you want to live to, you put out as many journals and as many books and as many podcasts and all of the things that you want to do are done. You've done them all, but you could only be remembered for one piece of advice through everything you've put out into this world. That piece of advice is like etched into the tombstone. What is that piece of advice? Mm, Love within community is all that matters. Love within within community. Yeah. Or family, you know, family is all that matters. I think my deepest mission is to just help people soften and open their hearts to being in relationship, not Mm. just romantically, but with their community, with their friends and to let themselves be a part of village again, Mm. because that's the most important thing is our relationships. And it's the thing that fulfills us most. And when times are the hardest or money is scarce or anything is going wrong, if we have friends by our side, if we have strong community by our side, it's much easier to go through those experiences. And so I hope that everybody will allow themselves to experience that in this lifetime. I love that, Shay. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I've really appreciated it. Yeah, thanks, Matt. This was a great chat. You have just tuned into episode 286 of the Decoding Success podcast featuring our friend Shailena Ayana. As mentioned earlier, there's a reason you chose this podcast, or maybe this podcast chose you over anything else today in this moment. It might not be present just yet pertaining to the reasoning as to why you listen to this, or maybe it is, but open your heart and mind to the idea of that being factual. Now, being that you're still listening to this, it's my obligation, it's my duty to request that you share this episode with those in your life. If you didn't find this of value, you would have been tapped out by now, but you're still here, you're still rocking with us. Share the value, share the wisdom, share the opportunity with those in your life to grow and prosper from this conversation. And we thank you in advance for helping grow our community by sharing these episodes. To connect with Shay, make sure you scroll through the show notes. Every episode in the show notes, you will find all of our guests socials, websites, books, projects, everything that we're talking about. Let her know that you heard her here on episode 286 of the Decoding Success podcast. And until next time, everyone, be blessed. Peace.